This podcast was brought to you in partnership with Liz Earl Beauty Co. On today's show, we welcome Jacina Caliste, co-founder of Land in Our Names, also known as Lion. It's a grassroots black-led collective committed to reparations in Britain by connecting land and climate justice with racial justice and food justice. I follow Jazina and Lion on Twitter, and I am super keen to hear more about the movement. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Been enjoying being mutuals on Twitter. Twitter's the more aggy platform out of the three, maybe, you know, like uh, on Instagram, it's very like informational. Like I love how nature connecting people use it. Um, but for the, you know, uh, the opportunities to share things um, about what everyone's up to, it's just lovely to see. And it's lovely to see how Go Jordan's grown. I know it's been a mad old year. I think we've been really privileged and lucky that people could still go out for a walk. Mm. Um, otherwise, this year would have been even harder than it was. So I feel really, really lucky about that. But please, I would love you to share a bit more about yourself and your and your journey into food justice. Like there are threads that connect um, what I'm doing now with what I was doing before. Um, I guess health and well-being being a strong element of what I'm doing and uh, racial justice. Um, has been a thread throughout increasingly throughout my 20s I was uh, gardening and growing food Um, I had like on both sides of my family um, like my mum who's white um, Irish Scottish um, she uh, and her mum and sister were keen gardeners I guess and um, I'd learned from her and her friends about growing things here and then I'd hear from my dad about what the family in Grenada um, my dad's from uh, the Caribbean of African descent and um, yeah just all of the different things that my grandmother and great-grandmother would grow my my great-grandmother was also a midwife and knew lots of herbal remedies I believe um so yeah that's uh when I burned out of academia I um had decided that um I wanted to spend more time in nature and that that would be a healing thing for me I was really delighted to read more about Lion in Nick Hayes' Book of Trespass, and I'm conscious um, that you state on your website that land is often overlooked within society, unrecognised in structures and institutions it underpins. Can you tell us a little bit more about your organisation and what you've been up to recently? Yeah, so um, Lion was co-founded almost two years ago, to the day, actually. Um, Happy birthday! Oh, thank you. you. Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. We saw that there was a need for um, an explicit articulation of what our communities need around land and land rights. And within that, you know, the people that are involved in Lion are quite interested in food growing, as well Mm -hmm. as other things, nature connection housing rights um, and more specifically around food justice and the feeding people side of food justice 
And we are a grassroots collective. We're a Black-led organisation that is for Black people and people of colour in terms of the communities that we want to support and serve and provide greater opportunity um, for food growing. And we are mainly, yeah, we're based in London, but have a network that's quite broad um, and expanding as well. And in the last year or so, I mean, it's been a very strange time to have a young mm -hmm. organisation because when we were co-founded, um, the idea was very much around being out on the land, um, providing events on farms that are black owned or owned by people of colour. And we've had to do a lot more talking than actual hands in the soil, which I guess is the same for a lot of different organizations. So then um, I guess in the last few months, um, we one of the key things that we've done is a research report called Roots into Food Growing. And that is around um, black people and people of color who have been able to sustain their livelihoods from growing food. Um, and selling their produce. And a lot around um, what we know about um, our communities is that it's not easy to make a living from um, growing food. It sounds amazing and fascinating and also must have been like quite challenging for you to move away from sort of like the face-to-face -face, more hands-on hands in the soil type events going online. But then I guess at the same time, there is benefits of being able to spend that time online because I guess everyone else was online at the same time. So potentially you've been able to reach more people. I actually attended um, your last webinar, uh, Roots into Food Growing. I don't know if it was your last, it was a recent one. And it has to have been one of my most favourite webinars of 2020, 2021, because it was so, it was just so evocative. Everyone was so warm. Um, the, everyone was like chatting away and like being really welcoming. And the whole experience actually felt really nourishing. Oh, that's really lovely to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that helps and when you're starting a new organisation, like you're facing, do you do things in the way that things have always been done? Uh, or do you do things in a way that you want to do them? And sometimes you have to do things in a way that's always been done because the system's designed for that. Um, but in doing things differently, like putting well-being at the heart of what we're doing, um, putting like spiritual practices around land and mm -hmm. you know, harking back to that, like all of the ways that we can engage with like West African spirituality, because so many of us are, um, you know, with Caribbean heritage and the team. Um, and in the organisations that we work with, like Abele and um, Black Roots. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that comes across really strongly when we do events. Um, and it's it has to be really nourishing to do this work because it's about food, for starters. Yeah. And also it's about racial justice. So if we didn't have nourishing events and communications then there would only be despair and um, putting your hands in the soil is that how you connect with nature that is one of the ways yeah yeah definitely there's like tiny microbes in the soil which are meant to be good for the well-being like you absorb them through the skin and you inhale them like gardeners apparently have quite good um 
you know, work-life uh, balance maybe, or like quite good uh, rates of happiness, levels of happiness. Um, which is, I mean, it's interesting when I think about actually working the land um, and in some places you might have like quite high farmer suicides and it's not necessarily linked to the farming, but much more around how capitalism sucks all the joy out of the land connection. <laughs> so that yeah. Really stressed and sad and isolated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do you do if you lose your land? What do you do if there's a drought? What do you do if there's crop failures? Um, or, you know, you've got terminator seeds or um, the pesticides from somewhere else have, you know, caused um, untold degradation to, uh, I don't know if you've got organic produce and someone's spraying something from above. Like there's loads of things that are as yet untapped in terms of, all of the different aspects of growing um but when it's just really simple of like i put this tree in this pot um yeah and that someone uh who's part of incredible edible lambus jerome uh did me a massive favor by giving me lots of tree seedlings um and those have been you know distributed among the lion network um and yeah, just thinking, oh, this is beautiful tree growing on my balcony. I've got hazel. I love a lot of what you were saying and the fact that you've been giving out like tree seedlings and things like that. Um, so am I right in thinking you've got a hazelnut tree growing on your balcony? Mm. I love that. Yeah, and a, a blackthorn, slow. Wow, that's so cool. My son actually has got really got into gardening since last year when we were locked down and we were homeschooling. He was seven at the time and we kind of created these really small little patches because you've got quite a small yard and we started food growing essentially. It was really hard to get things like seeds and stuff last year Mm. but we started again this year and every day when he comes back from school and every morning when he wakes up he runs out the first thing he does is runs out to the garden to see how the peas are doing and I just love it just I don't know warms my heart and it helps me think about the micro like you said when he does things like that and you see that kind of connection happening at a younger age Mm. I didn't have that growing up so it's nice for him I think it's beautiful it's beautiful and like all of the times that I can think of of explaining um, things to my niece and nephew as as they're learning um, and yeah getting them involved in things like showing how to get tadpoles from the pond um, mm. or yeah like pointing out different birds um, or like showing them what things are edible. Hi Shane welcome to the show. Hi Hannah thanks for having me. <laughs> I should do an interview with you one day. We haven't done that one. Uh, no, so how was your week? It was not bad. I moved house, which was always a bit of a hassle, but done now. So it's nice to be settled in a new place. You've got your plants out already. Yeah, you got to get them out, get them some light and water. <laughs> so what app tip and walk tip have you got for us today? Walk tip today, I would say, is the Colchester de Wivenhoe Walk in Essex. It's part of our collection of over 20 beautiful coastal walks we've did recently with Essex County Council. And it starts in central Colchester and follows the River Colne as it winds its way out towards the sea. 
and the route is marked uh, along part of the way by unique hand-forged metal artworks, each of which correlate to a stanza from a poem titled Town to Sea by the local poet Martin Newell. So it's a really interesting walk, and along the way you have art, you have history, um, beautiful nature on the stretch between Colchester and Wivenhoe, like uh, wetlands and, and river sort of habitats. So I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, I really want to go to Wivenhoe. It looks so cute and pretty. Did, when did you go? Was it before COVID? Uh, no, it was um, last October. So that it was, was right sort of in between. Right in between <laughs> lockdowns. Um, but it was, yeah, it was quite nice. Uh, the pubs were open, I think. So there's some nice little pubs along both ends of the route. That are and great. it's really easy to get to. Yep. Just pop on the train um, from London. It's a simple trip. My app tip today is to check out the incredible Nature Notes feature on iOS if you haven't had a chance yet. It was developed in partnership with the Nature Connectedness Research Group at the University of Derby, and it works as a nature diary of sorts. Every day you're encouraged to take a note or a picture of something you see in nature. It could be a flower you see out on a walk, it could be a cloud you see out the window, and taking note of nature can bring clinically significant improvements to your mental health. So if you haven't yet, give it a try. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoy doing that at the moment. Like when I've been walking around our local cemetery, like every day I go or every other day I go, I always not try and notice something new. So yeah. like it's gone from this cow parsley be being in bloom through to like going to seed. And now I'm like looking out mm. at the next thing, which is like the wild roses and stuff. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, that's really nice. Just note down like changing seasons and the little things that change. Thanks, Shane. Lots of people have private gardens, and then I'd say a lot more people don't. Um, and I think there's been some initiatives, maybe even an app to try and connect people with space that they're not using with. I, I read about that. Yeah, you're right. We should look into that. Mm, yeah, I wish I could remember what it's called. I think it might be allot me or something. <laughs> um, and then there's allotments, obviously, and um, the councils really need to do something about the horrifically long waiting. Yeah. But it is only just that um, everyone has the right to an allotment realised, because I think there is actually a right to an allotment. Um, and we've spoken to some fantastic um food growers from um yeah black communities communities of color um there's a long legacy of uh, people from the windrush era um having allotments um i would love to liberate some golf courses um yeah. the ownership of uh i think various councils but a lot of privately owned land is used for golf and yeah I remember Lion's account sharing a really funny tweet that was like are you thinking about starting a class war in your area why not sprinkle some Japanese knotweed freshly chopped <laughs> at your local oh golf course oh my god one who was seriously replying no you shouldn't do that because it's an invasive species and <laughs> like, if you're not picking up on the fact that this is a joke you know are you thinking of starting class war in your area is the opener yeah exactly oh god 
Um, but Japanese nutweed is edible, so you know it's not the worst thing in the world if you're thinking about it from a food perspective. Apparently, it tastes like bamboo shoots. There are community growing projects, and I think the London Permaculture website has a list or, or uh, a map of where um, lots of community food growing projects are. Um, ones that are well known are organically. Um, Sutton Community Farm um, then there's ones that are like on the sort of outer edges of, of London as well peri-urban areas mm-hmm. um, so I guess this is my reference point of London not everyone lives in London Jazina you know that you're trying to escape the city yourself uh, <laughs> oh you, please don't tell me you're escaping as well now <laughs> I really want to. Oh, no, <laughs> I need everyone to, everyone to stop leaving. Where are you going? I don't know yet. Um, East coast of Scotland? Calling. Yeah, Scotland is really calling. Like I went yeah, to the Highlands and it was incredible. And uh, my host just made it seem like the most stunningly wonderful place in the world. Um, going to the Isle of Skye and meeting the one black gay guy who's probably inhabiting the place and he's from southeast london too and thinking like this is real but amazing yeah you know okay if he can do it i can do this there are some beautiful places to go in london um my favorite growing up was springfield park um and then living and um yeah i have a uh you know friends a partner who live along the wandle river yeah in south sort of south london oh yeah oh it's stunning and actually like the two main veins into deep south uh london croydon uh, yeah. um, the ravensbourne on the mm-hmm. east side and the wandle on the west side for people of color who aren't already in the poc and nature group then i thoroughly recommend that you join that on facebook um it is on the other platforms as well Um, and that there are people who are explicitly wanting to get more outdoors um, and initiatives being set up like uh, Steppers, Black Girl Hike, um, Mm -hmm. Together, um, Black Girls Camping Trip, like the just amazing individuals and groups that are popping up all the time um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, makeshift, I guess, or impromptu, foraging groups, um, people that give workshops or online courses about herbalism. I mean, it's saturated. I don't know if it's always been this way, but I feel like there's such an awakening going on. So you're just surrounded by opportunities to get involved and in more like culturally appropriate and specific ways. And that makes a big difference to some people because, I mean, I remember being on, in the permaculture course in Portugal and feeling quite alienated. One, from uh, the course content and two, from the other people there. Um, and it wasn't an extreme thing. And I knew what that felt like and I knew what it would feel like um, before I went. Um, but then going to Soulfire Farm the next year, which is a, um, a black-led, um, BPOC-led, um, anti-racist farm in upstate New York. And just feeling like, yeah, no, this is it. This is how 
this should feel. This is how farming doesn't, you know, mess with my head and understanding like what manual labor looks like. Um, and we didn't really talk about the Roots into Food Growing report, but um, I guess that showed up a lot of the things that need to be tweaked in um, the food growing world in terms of it being such a sort of manual labor job mm -hmm. doing with food growing. And that a lot of people have had negative experiences involving um, perhaps white people that um, didn't really treat them very well. Um, yeah men um for women uh, that that we spoke to that um you know everything's heightened and if it's an underpaid backbreaking job that um you're then having oppressive or discriminatory experiences in then there's a high churn rate mm -hmm. the struggle culture of you know people expecting low wages um and lots of people leave these roles that like we're losing knowledge all the time. We're losing knowledge by talking to the elders about food growing practices. And then people will try and enter into this world um, and then realize that they can't sustain themselves and they have to do several jobs at once um, or do it for a bit, burn out, leave, come back, burn out. Um, and so yeah yeah so we need to really interrupt that if we're going to achieve like true food justice um, and then land justice is the hidden um, part of all that like a lot of the conflicts are ultimately based on the I found the uh, quote now the historic roots of inequality can be found in the uneven distribution of land mm -hmm given to those who own it and the rights taken from those who don't mm -hmm. and we absolutely should demand expect that we're able to grow food within a 15 mile radius to us 15 minute radius even <laughs> um, and there's no reason why that that isn't the case there's no good reason you're doing such important work. I am so privileged to have you on the show. Can you please like let us know how we can get involved or how our listeners can help support the Lion Movement? Well, um, we have periodically got events happening. It's been quite difficult to consistently organize events for our communities during lockdown and uh, none of us are massive fans of Zoom. So um, I hear you. if there are Zoom events that happen, please keep an eye out for them. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Land In Our Names. We've got a mailing list. And the best thing to do to get involved is do what we're trying to get people to do, which is to grow their own food, um, grow food for communities. I would love to see um everyone who is able to have a growing space um you know think about who doesn't have access to it advocating for um increased scrutiny of who owns land in mm -hmm. as well as locally different campaigns and around like renters rights and housing those are land justice issues but the scope of land justice is so broad that <laughs> can't tackle everything at once you know there are people who are aware and sort of reckoning 
with the massive topic of reparations, which is a really strong theme in Lyon's work, um, thinking about the repair element, like reparations just means repair, and all of the colonial harm, um, mm. trauma from enslavement wrought on generations of people, and the legacy of those horrible moments in history um, that have impacted upon people that are here today and how it's impacted on our land system as well. So reparations is a really strong uh, element of our work and we will need resources and not just us, but every community growing project or farming initiative that's run by a black person, a person of color, you know, should have an element of talking about or thinking about reparations in terms of land and resources. And yeah, I mean, periodically we will have um, initiatives that need support. And but often, like in in a in a way of like we're still not out of the COVID. Uh, no. <laughs> um, everything got very localized, didn't it? And. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hard you know you're in a very small radius and the ways that people have uh, been connecting with nature and growing food in their own areas like that is something that should continue because that is something that is what our ancestors from a long 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 time ago were doing you know that is how most people have survived throughout human history it's the best thing in some ways to to be rooted that's amazing tips. Um, we've covered so much and I feel like I could talk to you for ages and I'm definitely going to keep an eye on everything that you're doing, try and support in any way I can, including nurturing my small patch in the garden. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Thank you very much. It was really great to hear about Jazina's organisation. If you want to get involved or find out more about roots into food growing, land justice and reparations, please head to www.landinournames.community. You can also find them over on Instagram at landinournames. Take care and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nature Bounce. Don't forget to rate it and subscribe to the whole series.